0: Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo. I'm your host for this evening, James Copley. If you haven't heard, Sunderland have signed Pierre Ekwar from West Ham for an undisclosed fee on a contract until the summer of 2027. News has just broke in the last 15 minutes or so. Following Sunderland's win against Middlesbrough at the Stadium of Light, I'm joined by two esteemed guests. We have Graham Atkinson of the Wise Men Say podcast. Graham, how are you doing? Nice beard you've got going there. That definitely rivals mine.
1: All right, James. Yeah, good. Thanks, man.
0: And we're also joined by Paul Dobson, better known as Sobs, of the ALS fanzine, long-time contributor there. He's sporting a moustache today, though. Uh, Roy Keane-inspired Sobs, you were telling me before we came on. Yep, it
2: was a good excuse to stay in for the night and grow one.
0: <laughs> Excellent. That would probably take me about 10 weeks, to be fair. We'll also be joined by, um, by Dave Lawrence, shortly of... Uh, as well, he's of the um, the What the Folk podcast, but he's just sorting his laptop out. So, gents, we've, um, we've, we've made a signing. It's January transfer window. We'll start there. Graham, your initial thoughts. A young lad, Frenchman, 21, coming in, covering competition for Corey Evans, you'd hope. But another progressive signing, it feels like, by Speakman and Harvey.
1: It's another one of them where, you know, if we're honest, I hadn't, hadn't heard of him, don't know a lot about him. Um, I think that seems to be the general consensus. That I don't think a lot of people have um, outside of West Ham. But I think um, you know, he, I suppose he hasn't played a lot of men's football, from what I gather. So it's it's going to be one of them where you don't really know how he's gonna how he's gonna fit in until until he starts playing. I guess um, I think I'd heard that he had a, a few injury issues at when he was at Chelsea. So hopefully he's he's over those, but. Um, you know, he's got physicality, which I think we we're, we're probably lack, generally speaking, a, a, across the squad by all accounts. He's a big lad. Um, West Ham supporters who I've seen online, you know, speaking highly of him in terms of what they've seen on, on under-21s. So, but I suppose the caveat is, yeah, if he hasn't played much much of men's football, is he going to hit the ground running in the Championship? I suppose it's one of those where, you know, time will tell.
0: Welcome, Dave. How are you doing, mate? All right? Oh, no, can't, can't hear Dave. I'm not quite sure what's uh, what's going on. He might need to try and rejoin again. Well, um, we'll go on to subs in the hope that um, in the hope that we can get Dave subs. You've pretty much seen it all, sort of um, covering Sunderland and watching Sunderland. What, what do you make of this signing and this type of signing?
2: Um, well, it was it was um, initially mooted as another loan signing, which strangely, which didn't seem to do clever things we just let a central midfield go out on loan. But now it's turned into a permanent one, and makes a lot more sense and. Uh, like Graham said, I know nothing about the lads. And West Ham fans rate him highly. Uh, and if he is physically big, it does—it's a big thing it, for us. Um, I know Corey Evans is, as he showed at the weekend, he's a bit brittle. Um, so we do need cover. But Dan Neal, I think, he's grown into that from being somebody who needs his hand held to holding other people's hands. And he's been very good looking after Misha when he's come on. So if, if he is a physical lad and if he comes on as well as the last person we signed from West Ham, i will be quite happy because he fits the model that we're trying to bring in now, young hopefuls who've got a good five, six years in them before we even think about them having to move on. It's not like he's getting towards the end of his playing career, which we've took to go for in the past.
0: Absolutely. It, Graham, it feels like as well. Um, Sob's mentioned Aji Alise, who's come in. We've had Dennis Sirkin, Mishu, Barr, Hume. We seem to be seen as a as a, a venue or a platform where young players can can express themselves, can, can grow. That hasn't always been the case at Sutherland, really, has it?
1: Certainly, it's a, it's a marked difference. I mean, I suppose whatever you think of the the philosophy of, um, at the club in terms of how we play, the the, the recruitment model, um, it's certainly a, a marked difference to what we've had before. There seems to be a plan. There seems to be a strategy behind it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for bringing in players and, and developing them. Um, I mean, I think what I suppose what I'd say is the only caveat of that is is it, it feels a little bit like it's the only approach, and m- maybe we could do with a few more, um, a bit more experience in the squad. Um, I think you can bring players in who are, are still young, but who you know who have a little bit of experience behind them. In fairness, we've done that with Dan Ballard. He had a season at the Championship behind him before he came in. So, um, personally speaking, I think it's great. I think it's great bringing in players and developing them. I would also like to see maybe one or two um, more experienced heads come in, um, um, but yeah, it's it's a great advert for uh, for attracting uh, new players. Players must look at the the where we are in the league, look at the the brand of football we're playing. The the, the interplay between some of the the, the players is incredible. Um, in fairness, so it, it's a great advert, and yeah, um, I'm sure that was one of the reasons why I was um, decided to join.
0: Where do you stand on that argument, Sobs? Because, as Graham mentioned, Sunderland play some fantastic football. Um, there's the the excitement of youth, but with youth also comes a bit of naivety at times, doesn't it? And and Sunderland do have some experienced pros, but not a great deal of them. Would you like to see Speakman maybe maybe target some experience in the remaining sort of eight days of the January window?
2: It would be an idea. Like you said, it's very exciting watching them play and they do link up together well. I mean, Patrick Stewart, people still think of him as a... A young player but he's been around quite a few years now and he thankfully it looks like he's found a home somewhere he's happy at last and you know i've not seen us play with so many forward-thinking players for probably since peter reed's second third fourth seasons you know where we're bombing forward at every opportunity but that was more direct wing player this is some really clever stuff that goes from one side of the pitch to the other but moving forward so it's great to see kids growing into that you know with the four of them when they signed in the summer we all thought well i've not heard any of them what we're going to get and you know we've got some that you know diallo would he'd walk into most premier league teams to be honest the way he's played since he settled down so it's great to get them and if they keep development quickly, it perhaps negates the need for more experienced heads. But you can't beat a bit of experience. It's always, you know, tell them how to play the game. Kirby's enthusiasm at times, Mister O'Neill, even though he's one of the senior pros now, someone to come in and tell them when when to take a breather, when 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 it's okay to have a bit of a huff, yeah, and when it's not okay to to, to show you your passion if you like.
0: And and on that point, Graham. Danny Bart's been instrumental this season. I remember the sort of first three or four games Pritchard was sort of holding that midfield together. It looked quite naive at times, thinking of the Coventry game Pritchard was instrumental in suddenly getting a result that day. Um, who else? Gooch. Gooch has been has been good with his experience and, and there's a few others that can name Cory Evans is the obvious one in the middle. So there is that need for a good blend, isn't there? As exciting as the transfer strategy is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like you know I just talk of Wright leaving, and yeah, he's, mm-hmm. his appearances have been limited this this season. But um, if Danny Bart was to was to get an injury, you look at the back uh, back line and and how many experienced pros have we got? Well, probably Wright stayed the only one, the the obvious one that would would jump out. Um, and then there's also I guess the leadership that goes on, you know, um, in the dressing room and uh, um, presumably with his. He's experience there in terms of international tournaments and all the rest of it what he can bring um he's got that sort of leadership material um which i do think you need in a squad it's not it's not it's not just about um putting the youth on and and, and hope for the best it is striking the right the right balance and getting the blend and i think if you look at our average age are, are we probably the third youngest squad in the league um behind maybe blackpool i
2: think uh, Coventry maybe Yeah No we put out The youngest team Didn't we A couple of weeks ago The was team In all four divisions Yeah was we did. Very childlike <laughs> <laughs> Yeah
0: Sobs What would What would you do With the With the Bailey Ride situation If you were in charge I thought it was An interesting one When it emerged Because um, he isn't Really playing And it's probably A little telling That Luke Nine's Been preferred to him At centre half But when there's An emergency in a In a, a Match situation It's sort of Break, break the glass and pull Bailey right out we, we saw mm-hmm. it against Middlesbrough we, we've seen it multiple times this season you know he, he's coming off the back of playing in the World Cup with Australia he's 30 years old he probably wants to play and um, personally I wouldn't I wouldn't let him go until the summer
2: no I don't think it would be a good idea to let him go probably will in the summer because of his age mm. um simple as that and they know that O'Neill's there as well who you know stick him anywhere he'd probably make a good goal kick we don't know yet thankfully <laughs> but he, he he'll give it a go and he he's played well at centre-half so that would probably be that would be my thinking anyway get to the summer I know there's been talk of Danny Bath going in the summer as well but I think we've got bad planning to get shot of both of them one we could probably live with because um Ballard's come on hit the ground running looks it's a finished article really
0: yeah, yeah, he really does. The other sort of transfer snippet that that emerged uh, yesterday was that, Ahmad Diallo's uh, loan recall clause has expired now, so he won't be going back to Manchester United this January, which is a, a huge boost. Grim, one of the. We'll go out on the limb and say one of the best players I've seen in the Sunderland shirt, skill wise. I know we're playing in the Championship, which is the league below the Premier League, but he reminds me a lot of, of Cessignon, but better at releasing the ball. His, his technique's yes. marvellous. He's, he's he's sublime. And it's one of those, Graham, where I'm slowly falling in love with a lone player again, but I'm just going to enjoy him while we've got him.
1: Iris oh, is probably the best um, lone player from we've had since probably Johnny Evans. And, you know, in terms of just um how instantly you can kind of see the, the qualities there. Um even when he's kind of started perhaps a little slowly in terms of uh, the the season, um you could still see there was quality there. Um I mean the the kind of the touches the 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 Zidane sort of um pirouettes and all the rest of it on the on the pitch it's it's just especially when it comes off it's just uh, a, yeah society to to ball isn't it? Um I think he's got seven goals. Um, he's he's producing it, and I think um, it's what happens when Pritchard kind of comes back, and you, then you've got a great like one of those problems where what do you do with with Roberts? Where do you play? Where do you play them? Where do you play uh, Diallo? It's it's, a, it's a, just a it's great to see. It's great to see the fact that um, he's producing it and he's linking the player together, and it, Roberts and and Diallo are together. Um there's certainly a partnership that's developed. Um so yeah, when Pritchard comes back, I suppose it's it's where do you what do you do then? That's a that's a great problem for Moodra.
0: Subs, what have you made of Ahmad uh, Diallo? Does he remind you of, of anybody historically as a as a Sunderland player?
2: <laughs> Strange enough, no, there's a little bit of Julio Arca about and the way you know you can he hunches over the ball, but then he, he's like Graham just said, he spins away from people and finds a path. And if you watch the replay of his goal yesterday, he's nowhere in sight after he gave Roberts the ball, Then all of a sudden, a little <laughs> reverse pass from Roberts and he's steaming in from behind the camera. Um, so he's, it, it's lovely to watch. And mind after that shocking head injury Fernandez got yesterday, and you know the goalkeeper's arm brushed his glove or something. I thought <laughs> I bound to recall the lad because he's going to be out for months, Fernandez. <laughs> but no, it is all joking aside. He's, he's a fabulous footballer to watch. He's an absolute delight and. I know there was a little bit, I think, was it down at Shrewsbury where he got a bit huffy because it didn't work around about the hour mark. He was trying things and it wasn't coming off. And we thought oh, he's not going to start behaving like that. But I think somebody had a word with him and he, he perked up again. And to be honest, we, we were thinking about, uh, we should be taking him off on Saturday. Uh, sorry, yesterday, just before he scored, you know, get some somebody in to show things up left him on he did the business it was uh those little they know what he's going to do when he comes in from there but they, they never know exactly when he's going to do it down to the spin second and that's what counts makes the difference between a goal and a block
0: yeah absolutely pleasure to watch do we have dave lawrence is he back can we hear him
3: he, i think we might be sorted mate oh yeah here
0: you do fantastic <laughs> lovely to see you. i haven't seen you for quite a while you've missed a fair bit um we've signed somebody
3: yeah yeah I've, uh, I was just flicking through Twitter while trying to sort out microphone apparently it's the first time I've ever used the microphone on this laptop so that, that's where we went <laughs> wrong it hadn't been set up oh, so, well, uh,
0: happy happy days but yeah we've uh we've signed Equa. we're just sort of running through um Ahmad Diallo's influence Graham actually question question for you first and then we'll we'll head over to Dave but you mentioned there uh, that little partnership with Robertson and Ahmad and it's really bearing fruit and it's it's lovely to see it's lovely to watch the play so close to each other they're on the same wavelength but then I look at some of the criticism of Jack Clark in recent weeks, who I think a bit below par at the moment, but still doing a reasonable job in, in providing width and a willing runner. I just I feel a little bit for him because Roberts and Ahmad are so close together. Obviously, Ahmad is supposed to be playing in that 10 role. You would expect him to, uh, to drift out to both sides, but he tends to be drawn to Roberts because they've got that connection. And to be fair, I think Mowbray encourages that. Sunderland don't really play with wing backs bombing on overlapping. So I do feel a bit for Clark, who is still still, I think, Sunderland's top assists, um, top of the assist charts at the moment. But it just seems to have gone a bit flat for him.
1: I was just gonna say, I mean, I think he's he's still ahead on the on the assists. Um different qualities, I guess, for me. You know, like like you say, um Clark is more of a he kind of runs up. Direct, he's more direct, yeah, running at at defenders, um, drawing fouls. Uh, Yeah, he's maybe not as he doesn't link up as well with with Diallo, um, or more often, but he's still he's still got the threat. Um, I I think you can't really underestimate his contribution this this season. So for me, uh, he, he, he still gets on the on the team sheet. Um, uh, you know, he, he. I think the draw on the fouls you saw against Berra. Um, I think 0-9 picked up on, on commentary as well. When I was watching it back. Um, you, you know, you you think the way that he kind of um, runs at the players, the, a defender thinks they've got an opportunity to nick the ball, and then the next thing you know, he's he's gone. And I think it's 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 crucial they win those fouls around the box and, and put the pressure on at times in in games, and that's what he can
3: bring.
0: For those that don't know, Dave lives away from Sullivan. so I'm guessing you didn't travel up for the game on Sunday, Dave, did you?
3: Mate, yeah, I didn't. I was. Uh, I had a very busy uh, food service. obviously being a chef, so I had my phone on top of a microwave while I was cooking away. <laughs> dedication for you.
0: Excellent. Perfectly placed to uh, to analyse the game on this podcast. Then. <laughs> the other sort of big event in the football world today, Dave, has been the sacking of Frank Lampard at Everton obviously Sunderland would probably quite like to bring Ellis Sims back on loan um they've got they've now got to find a new manager with eight days of the transfer window left so I doubt Sims is sort of high up on their bucket list of priorities what do you see happening with that situation uh
3: to be honest I I think it was something I was going to mention on uh what the fault the other day but uh I had a little bit too much drink when we did that podcast and I couldn't remember what I was talking about so I might have actually said it but Uh, Don't quote me. But Tony Mowbray came out in the week um, and basically totally downplayed the whole Ellis Sims thing and said he's not number one target on the list. Yes, we like him. He's a very good player. He was here. He thinks he's being treated unfairly. But ultimately, we have other irons in the fire, which is just refreshing. Everything about us at the minute is really, really refreshing. So that kind of plays down the facts which isn't great for Ellis Sims personally. But for us as a club, it means if we went in for a if we went in for a transfer, we're not going to be charged top dollar because they're like, oh, they haven't got all the eggs in one basket. So um yeah, I'm pretty relaxed about it. I, I heard Graham say earlier and totally agree. I'm sure a, a lot of us echo the, the sentiment, but we could do with another two centre forwards. Um I, I wouldn't mind if it was Ellis Sims, he fits in with the whole model of what we're trying to do. But if there's uh, if there's other players out there who are going to be easier to get, who have the same kind of attributes, then I'm all for that as well. To be honest, I've got I've got quite a bit of faith in the bringing in of new players. I know I've had my criticisms of. Listen, I'm not suggesting we should spend hundred grand a week on Ross Stewart. I'd give him it personally, but it's not my money. Um, but other than that, the, the players that are coming in seem exciting, seem quite dynamic. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with it all.
0: there's been very few missteps by the transfer committee at Sunderland, I think of maybe Defoe, Frederick Alvarez or Alvarez, whatever he was called. um the striker situation seems to be the big glare and I'm not saying it's an oversight because I think the club's aware of it, but it seems to be the one area in which things haven't really got a plan. For whatever reason, and Sunderland are left with just Ross Stewart at the moment, which is far from ideal.
2: Yeah, I know we, well, we found almost to our cost a few months ago when he got hurt and Sims got hurt at the same time. We had to change our whole strategy, and I agree with it. It would be unbelievable. The club haven't tried to sign people there to fill those gaps, but it just hasn't happened. And it's always a place that you're going to get charged the maximum amount of money when if you can remember Antoine, Simone, he had about three years ago, they want million quid for him now. And that, you know, Rusty Stewart's gotta be, is a lot better <laughs> prospect than him, even though, you know, he's a couple of years older, but the guy's caused a small number of goals and all of a sudden he's worth 10 million quid. Uh, you know, we're not going to be looking at that sort of player, but we, they are, they are the gems to find amongst all the, all the coldest, I suppose. Um, they're what we've got to look for and try and identify somebody from somewhere if we haven't got them already in the youth set up and it doesn't like look like we'll have someone ready to step up yet. But we, I hope we've got somebody lined up, you know, if, uh, like Dave says, if we've got other irons in the fire uh, from Mowbray's point of view and he's not phased about not getting Sims back because Everton, they'll be wanting whoever they get in to look at the, the striking options at that club. I really hope there is somebody, you know, young that fits the bill can can back Stewart up either by being an option to play alongside him, like Sims was, or to be there just in case.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. hit the nail on the head there, Graham. But you you feel that Sunderland need a couple of a couple of strikers to come in in the window, and and if it was just Ellis Sims on loan, that would probably be presented as a good window. But would it really be in that department? Just in the sense that we, we had Sims, he's gone back, we've brought him back. Um, if he does come back, that is. But you, you still need a Ross Stewart sort of replacement plan in place. I'm not saying he's going to go anywhere immediately, but you, you need these long term strategies, don't you?
1: I felt as though we needed a, a third striker in the summer. I felt as though, so we needed, you know, we needed one at, at the outset, really. And it, the fact that we've played as many months as, as we did with uh, no strikers, and now in January here we are with one striker um you know you can be uh complimentary about the recruitment and and, and rightly so um but for me that was a, a, a misstep to, to enter the season um with with just the two. I mean every other team in the league has as you know four three four strikers eight easy so um and, and it just means that, God forbid, Stewart pulls up—you know, injured—in the next game. We're, we're suddenly back to to having no strikers, and, and every striker that's on the market, their their value just skyrockets, and wage demands and agents—you know—know that you've got got you on the back foot. Um, so for me, in that in that scenario, I think strategically we, we, it was a bit of a misstep. Um, but yeah, for me, we need we need a, a, a striker on a permanent. And probably um, uh, another loan. Who and, and hopefully that's that's going to be Sims. But we we can't wait around. Um, if if Lambard's sacked as, as as we we gather he, he has been today, how where does that where does that place Sims? Presumably the next manager um, is going to want to assess his squad. Uh, does that mean Sims is is any imminent arrive or return? Is, is now sort of pushed back again, man. I d- I don't know, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess.
0: Yeah, I could rant on this all day, but I feel like Lampard and Everton have sort of, not ruined, but certainly stalled his his breakout season in a way because he was doing so well. He was settled. He's a, he's a lovely bloke, dead relaxed, dead chilled. He was just getting on with his football, playing games in the Championship, which he he, he hadn't done previously in his career. Suddenly he's back at Everton, obviously they're well within the rights to do that because he's their player and they're struggling. Yeah. Um, but he's played twice off the bench, I think, when when Everton have already been losing for about 14 minutes. He was on the bench in the FA Cup. So he can only play now for, for Sunderland and Everton. So you would think the common sense would prevail. But uh, that club looks absolutely nuts at the moment. I want to talk about some actual football, Dave, because that would be nice. Uh, just thinking about Sunderland's back four against Middlesbrough. On current form, is is that the best back four that, that Sunderland couldn't put out there was Aji Alisi left back who I love at left back obviously circuit injured at the moment but we we've stumbled upon Ballard and Bath at center half because of all nine's injury and then you had Trey Hume at right back who was just on another level sublime
3: yeah um lovely isn't it uh options I mean even even with a back four the out of them um out of those four you could easily play three of them in a back three uh unless he uh, did it um quite quite well uh before his injury to be honest but at the same time that would mean um dropping try which is like absolutely unthinkable at the minute uh nice to see a a proper a proper fullback i think is mm. what we seem to seem to be seeing week in, week out. Um, and, and to be honest, at that age it becomes a little bit worrying, doesn't it? it? Listen, without getting ahead of yourself, it becomes a little bit worrying when players start playing at a decent level and consistently well week in, week out, because they're going to get noticed. But that's, uh, that's another facet of the, uh, of the model, I guess. And, and, and kind of them players who I've no doubt, are a completely, um, towards Sunderland at the minute, but putting themselves in the shop shop window for for Premier League clubs if we don't manage to match their aspirations ourselves. But yeah, um, listen, it's positivity, positivity around the whole fan base at the minute, um, which is just absolutely wonderful to see. Uh, I couldn't have couldn't have thought of that three seasons ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think someone's seen uh, Put a little snippet up earlier of, of the overhaul of, of where we were at and, and where we currently are Um and it's it, it's just nice you know players who are, are exciting us but who want their ambitions matched by the football club which is where and i apologize for the pronunciation but where the the, the lad from west ham he, he's i heard a quote from earlier saying that's that he was sold the project Mm -hmm. Listen, that's nice that people like that want to move from London. Um, They're they're international, coming from international shores uh, and they want to move to Sunderland and surrounding areas based on football, which I'm sure when Roy King was here, he'd have have loved players uh, coming to to Sunderland just to play football and not for the shopping centres and stuff. (laughs)
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sobs heading into the, the Middlesbrough game, I don't think... I don't think Middlesbrough had conceded under under Michael Carrick. They were unbeaten in nine or ten games. I just thought Sutherland handled them, handled them really well. There was obviously the controversy with the the Dale Fry sending off. Was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? But Sudland could have been 2-0 up, probably should have been. Ahmad missed a, a glorious chance. And we've seen Ross Stewart bury those chances before. I thought it was a I thought was a really pleasing performance in a sense that even with the red card, Sudland put it together for 90 minutes.
2: Yeah, we we did, and I think that the only time Middlesbrough looked vaguely dangerous was when they'd gone down the ten, and we we sort of stepped off the gas a little bit, let them move up the field a bit, but then they, there was no real penetration from them. You know, they, they their forward pairing did less good. Our single man up front did. Um, it wasn't ross stewart's greatest game by a long way but he was still far more effective than the two they had and that's what middlesbrough fans will be really disappointed after the like you say the good run they've had under the new manager they like eight nine games whatever um but they just didn't didn't look dangerous and we did i know like you said we should have had at least two in the first half and i'm i'm always extremely nervous when we play middlesbrough at, at our especially at our place because you know despite what we think of them they it's their it's their biggest game, it's what they see it as, you know, um, and they want, their fans want it to be a big occasion, and I guess it is, because it's a bit bigger than, than any other league game, we're going to play at home this year, uh, this season rather, so it it was good to show them, that we, right, we control this, and that you watch some of the pattern movements, that we've already been mentioning about, between the the three behind, Ross Stewart, and, and Dan Neal prompting them from deep, and it's just lovely to watch, and it must have been quite, quite frustrating for the, the Middlesbrough fans and players to see the way that we went we went past them with apparent ease and then you know and it was a penalty because the ref gave it but the guy we waved play on twice already before Stuart got in the box and there was the last despair and tug on his shoulder so Stewart had probably lost his balance yards before but then the last thing he tried to stay in his feet and it's not a it's not a Gary McAllister situation where you get fouled no man doesn't get put. And the bloat runs five yards before falling over. He was being fouled for 15, 20 yards and the last contact was in the box. So is it a sending off? I don't know. I'm not sure what all this double jeopardy ruling is now. Where, you, If you're given a penalty, it's enough punishment. You're a man down. You've already, anyway, he went. Shouldn't have, He shouldn't have fouled him if he didn't want to get sent off.
0: No, this is. Uh, I think it looks... I don't know what your opinion is, Graham, but in real time, I thought definitely a penalty, definitely a sending off. And then you slow it down and it's like little niggling contact here and there. But when you slow it down, it doesn't look a lot. Yet when you're running at full tilt, it will be a lot. So for me, I thought the referees got it wrong. It's not a penalty because it's just outside the box, the initial contact. Sobs is right. He's been fouled for about 10 yards. um, So he's taken that risk. Ross Stewart's done extremely well to sort of stay up and then... Buy it in a way, but them's the breaks, really, isn't it? Dale Fry got himself in that position, and I must say, the half volley from Roberts at right back to get Stewart through on goal was was sensational.
1: In real time, and where I see it in the ground, it, it, I thought that it was a clearer foul in the build-up. I thought he, he was, you know, he, he, the ref could have blew and, and pulled it up almost immediately as soon as Roberts played the ball, but he, <laughs> he yeah, he let it go. Um, and I think when you see the the replay uh, from behind the goal, it, it, I think it's almost the push um, that there's a lot of, uh, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of contact, there's not a lot on it, but you can see it's a clear movement, a, a pushing movement, uh, where he's got his hand on him, he's pushing movement. And you don't have to, as, as you're already seeing, the cliche, cause you don't have to, a lot of contact to fall over and at, at that speed. Uh, and they were going at some tilt. So yeah, I, Pen for me. Uh, I can see why he give it, and he's last man. And yeah, you know, we, we suffered the week before, so let let someone else have the have the misery.
0: Yeah, Michael Carrick was uh, was not happy at all post match, but Dave Tony yeah. Mowbray just turned around and said, "Well, you know, we had a bit of bad luck last week, so we'll we'll take it."
3: Yeah, something which I alluded to last night. It swings and roundabouts. It'll come round the other way for Middlesbrough. It'll come round the other way for us at some point. It just is what it is. Um, Listen, yeah, like Sob said, ultimately in the history books, it was a penalty. It was a sending off. I mean, the referees probably thought to himself, my God, this is like Ross Stewart cling through. He's bound to score, so I've got to send him off. Probably (laughs) he's stinking, to be honest.
1: There's actually a shout for uh, Ballard, shout for a a second.
3: Yeah, Um, Yeah, I
1: totally agree. And then I think Carrick was sort of later towards the end of the game, Thought they could have had a pen. Well, you know, I think if the ref had give that one, then you should have been given the Ballard one because the, the the both look to be a, a similar sort of situation.
0: Uh, I thought exactly the same. Um, and, and at the end of the game, the incident Carrick is talking about. They were already two 0 down anyway. So I, I think I think he was annoyed. He hasn't tasted defeat a lot as a, as a manager, Michael Carrick. I think that might have been his first defeat actually. So yeah, he was a uh, he wasn't happy, and there's, there's, there's obviously the uh, the Newcastle connection there sobs as well.
2: Oh, is he a mug? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, he is indeed. Uh, we'll, we'll move uh, swiftly on before I get myself into trouble with that. Stephen Elliott, the former Sunderland um, striker, earlier today Dave wrote a column on the Sunderland Echo. He reckons Dan Neal is maturing into a future Sunderland captain. What have you made of him? against Middlesbrough and so far this season
3: yeah definitely uh just becoming more and more mature and I I think it's it's hard hard to remember Or or, sorry wrong way of putting it it's easy to forget would be a would be an (laughs) easy way to say it wouldn't it let's be honest it's easy to forget that this is only his second season as a as a professional Mm. footballer in the first team um Listen, Alex Neil protected him a little bit last year um, and rightly so probably. I think he was running on fumes a little bit. Took him out and he, funnily enough, I think it's probably just at a time where everyone was saying, oh, he needs a rest again. He's gone a little bit tired. I think in the last probably six games, definitely, he's been phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, Controlling games at this level at that age is uh is pretty spectacular to be fair and um yeah just it makes you even more proud doesn't it the, the fact that he's a local lad and he's he's enjoying success to be honest i think for any of them to be playing to be playing football in the way that we try to play football um you're probably going to enjoy it more times than you're not because it's it's successful listen i remember I remember watching uh, the Preston game earlier in the season where we didn't have Ross Stewart, and it's looking at it from a from a fans' point of view. Preston fans must sit there and go, "What on earth is this we're watching week in, week out?" It's you know, okay at times it might be effective, frustrating other teams, and trying to pinch something here and there. But currently, I'd rather get beat um, watching a game of football the way we play football than I would uh, pinch and point the way that Preston did at the time. Obviously, there's other teams that could be mentioned in that. But, yeah, Dan Neal, I just think, becomes more and more mature game by game. And, uh, yeah, a, a joy to watch.
0: Yeah, he's been magnificent. Uh, he, he spoke um, to a couple of the lads after the game. I, I sort of overheard him, and I'm just blown away by his his maturity. Every, every time I hear him speak, he's... He's got such a wise head on his shoulders. And he, he, he was talking about in the summer, um, in the in the summer he felt like he had to lose a bit of weight because he, he'd, he'd concentrated so hard on, on the defensive side of his game that, that that almost came at the cost of his attacking. And he wanted to to sort of do both. So he he targeted losing a bit of weight. He also spoke about how Alex Neil left him out. Um, and his mentality, Sobs, was, well, the manager's left us out. He's the manager of the team. I need to find out what he needs to get me back in that team and then I'll do it and I just thought that was a magnificent way of looking at it
2: it is it's it's almost impossible to ignore sorry, with hot stuff not think about oh, Jordan Henderson Jordan Henderson <laughs> what will he doing at the city? you know he's physically similar he look, he moves in quite a similar way um but Daniel like I said earlier he he, he needed a helping hand before, last season especially and um, this season he stepped up and he's looking after People two years younger than him, like the likes of Michu and, and Barr, and that. And he's he's like a steadying influence in central midfield now. And he can't half pick a pass, you know. He's uh, he reads the game very well, and he always knows where he looks like he knows where he's going to go before the ball arrives at his feet. He's already had a look round, and he's made his mind of where's the best place to go. And it's it's great, like Dave said, you get especially when it's a local lad doing it, and somebody used to used to stand and watch people. Doing what he's doing now. It's, you know, yeah. I, we've all would have loved to have done that sort of thing. There's thousands of people would. And he's he's living the dream, Him, the likes of Elliot Embleton and, you know, all the other young lads coming through.
0: Yeah, it's a brilliant story. Uh, and I was massively impressed, Graham, with with how he just dropped in at that sixth rule when Corey Evans went off. Not the first time he's done it this season, but shown a lot of maturity there.
1: I, I'd actually go as far as to say, I think that's probably the best he's paid for us. As, yeah, uh, uh, I, I think, yeah, and he, he just he does look comfortable, and like you see, he's got that head on a swivel, and um, when he gets the ball under pressure, you don't feel uh, like as a supporter, you know, you don't get that sense of anxiety, like you, you know he's gonna he's gonna retain it, he's gonna keep possession, he's likely gonna pick a pass. Um, in out of all of the the midfielders, maybe Michoud, um as well he can just pick that past I have a needle and and it, it's fantastic that that he's a local lad, the fact that he's coming through and the fact that he's dominating games in this league for such a young age and like, you know, I think Dave says it's his second second season is some some achievement. Um it'll you know, hopefully they don't, but it'll not be long before I'm sure Premier League sides are linked. I think Villa will linked um relatively recently. I'm sure there'll be plenty more if he keeps progressing as he as he does. Hopefully he
0: sticks with us. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my my worry with players like Dan Neal and Ross Stewart is that the club won't grow at the same pace as they do, and, and they'll need to leave us behind. But that's that's a worry for another day. I think it was Burnley and Villa that were linked with Dan Neal last season. I, I could I could go on for ages. There's so much to talk about. Sunderland-wise at the moment, but we'll we will we'll come to an end on these sort of the sort of general theme. Sunderland, three points behind third place Watford, who were relegated from the Premier League last season. One point off the playoffs, although some teams do have a game in hand on us. Um, as a Sunderland fan, you're always looking over your shoulder, but that gap has started to open up now and we are 15 points off the relegation spots. Um, I'll throw this to Sobs first. This season's been lovely, but what, what should we be aiming for as a fan base? coming towards the end of the season for me the the league having't played everybody looks like we could do something um but i don't want to get too greedy and and that yeah. playoff word, that playoff word is hanging around my head but i don't know i, do, I don't know what I, I don't want to say it where, where do you stand on it you
2: you want to do as well as possible but you've got to be realistic you, if if we were to go up this season with this squad we're gonna to have to do a forest and buy a dozen players at a cost of 500 million quid to have any hope of stopping up i'd rather we went up with the emerging talent that we've got and to, to finish in the top third mm. would be a real achievement because everybody we're playing this season finished higher than we did
0: mm. Mm.
2: we were the we were the lowest ranked team out of everybody in this division six months ago uh can you see the state of some of them yeah we <laughs> earth how on that, that happened but <laughs> there you go um We should always strive for more if we can get, but I, I, I really like the sort of organic way. We're trying to grow now, rather than do what we did years ago. And you buy a shed load of mercenaries in and you're still paying the wages four years after they've been the sick and everywhere in the East, the Mediterranean (laughs) Um, it's, it's not a good way to run a football club as we found to our cost, because we've had to basically rip it all up and start again. We've got sensible dealings, um, the policies generally work like we've already talked about this holes up front that we, we, we should really have filled what I being mean, able to, for whatever reason. Um, playoffs are very realistic, whether we want, of course, not what we do every game we play. So if we get into them, I'm all for going up. I won't be desperately sad. If we don't go up, I'll be a bit disappointed. But you've got, to, like I said, trying to keep my head in the ground, um, my feet in the ground, rather. <laughs> Let's be happy that it, it's it's fun going at the football again, and I'd rather we had another season of fun than a season of misery at the bottom end of the Premier League again.
0: No, I think you're right. It is it is very fun going at the football again. That's that's a point we maybe haven't made as much as we we should have. It is it's exciting to go at the football, seeing players like Ahmad and Roberts and Clark and Stewart. It is good fun, and the atmosphere is improving all of the time. Graeme, where do you stand on this on this promotion argument? I see lots of different views from fans online. There's there's the the Sob's view that, you know, we should just take each day as it comes. Obviously, you, you can't turn a promotion down, but it's not necessarily something we should be aiming for. And then I see a lot of people saying, well, you've got Ross Stewart, who's one of the best strikers in the league. You've got Ahmad Diallo, who is a fantastic number 10. Dan Neal in the midfield, some experience over the pitch, a decent goalkeeper, some decent centre-backs you know if we could get a few more in we might never have we might ne- you know we might not have a better chance for for a while with it with a, a set of players who are really good
1: i predicted that we'd finish 15th at the outset um and i think the way that we've played i think it, it's probably fair to say that you know should slightly readjust me um me thinking around that i think we it, it's clear that we're competitive in every game and i think that's Part of of the fact that we're enjoying going to, to games again as a fan base is said, It's like it's it's great to go. Match day is great again, and that that can't be underestimated in terms of the, the last four years or so. Um, the impact that, that that has. If we went to the Premier League, that that whole kind of soul destroying, you know, the whipping boys of, of the Premier League, where you you kind of limp along and, and hope you can play a little bit and get a few points at the end of the season, was was I think become sort of fairly tiresome to say the least. So it's great just being in a league and and approaching games and feeling like there's a good chance we're actually going to win again. Um, of course, having said that, if if we got up through the playoffs, it would be great. You know, let's let's be honest. But um, I think it's it it just is about consolid- consolidation still for me, and and I, I wouldn't be too disheartened if we if we miss out on playoffs. Um, it, it it's just about I, th- I think the the other point is back to the the age profile of the squad really i think that strategy that that christian speakman seems to be kind of bringing into the the, the, the transfers is signing young players who can then maybe mature with us if you look at the average age of the squads who typically get promoted it's usually around 26 is it 27 years old something like that yeah. so um what uh, average age our squad is around 22 maybe so if we can keep the same sort of players core together uh, and they're mature and, and improve with us, there's no reason why we shouldn't be knocking on the door of, of the top two spots in the next few seasons. Um and, you know, consolidate, improve slowly, um, and hopefully you're building from a stronger a stronger position.
0: Where do you stand on the debate, Dave?
3: Um Going back to pre-season predictions, I said we'd finish around about 10th and have a flirt with the playoffs. Um, I, I still stand by it. And to be honest, <sighs> whisper it quietly, I I think the problem that the board are going to have, and I won't say Mowbray, because I, I think he came out the other week and said that he would like another crack at the Premier League. I think ultimately the dynamic that they've brought into the club are all people who want to do better whether it's themselves whether it's for the club and listen how many injuries and suspensions and stuff have we dealt with this season all the way through it um i i said yesterday that if we get to the end of the season and we are listen ross stewart was out for 13 games so that's 39 points I'm not sure how many we took during that 13 games, but that's 39 points. If we miss out by four points, we're probably going to be kicking ourselves. But on the other Mm -hmm. side, we we do have to look at the fact that yes, we are newly promoted. We are, you know, assembling a squad which is capable. But listen, if I'm not mistaken, Watford a third, a Blackburn fourth.
0: They are. Drew drew the first game at the um, yeah, finally.
3: (laughs) Blackburn a fourth, and I think we could all probably sit here, as well as another 40 odd thousand Sunderland fans, say that when we went to Ewood Park and got beat 2 0, not only did we walk away disappointed that we got beat, we were actually disappointed that we didn't win the game. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
3: And if that's uh, if, if that's kind of a yardstick. Listen, we we played well against Watford with massive injuries again uh, and showed good, resolute character. And I think that's what we've got in abundance, if I'm honest. Resolute character that even if we lose one game, it's not going back to the days of, dare I say, messiahs like um, Phil Parkinson uh, and people like that, where you lose one game and you suddenly think, right, we're going to lose five. This team, this squad, you lose one, And you think the week after, I tell you what, we've got every chance of winning this. Now, that could be a contribution of the fact of how resolute the squad is, how dynamic they are, and also how much of a level playing field the division is in general, apart from maybe the exception of Burnley and Sheffield United. But I just have a feeling, uh, and someone said to me yesterday, that you'll know pretty much Millwall's going to be tough away, but in the next two league games... I think if Sunderland managed to pick up four six points, dare I say it? I think there's every chance that we could be having a, a semi final, playoff place, <laughs> and I'm I, I try to be. You guys know me by now. I try to be as realistic as I can and, and not get carried away. But I, I genuinely just have a little England that something might happen this season. And listen, you never you never want to you never want to knock down that opportunity. I, I can't imagine, even in the boardroom right, right at the top, that Kirill's going to anyone, listen, just make sure you don't win that game. We don't want a play-off position. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whisper it quietly, but I think there's every chance.
0: Yeah, Middlesbrough-Sunderland playoff final, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> just, just, looking, just just looking, actually, as a final point, looking at the teams above Sunderland in the, in the league at the moment, uh, Sunderland in ninth, obviously, um, it's pretty congested, but Millwall above them in eighth. We've beaten them. Luton Town, 2-2 at their place. Played them without a striker. Uh, Middlesbrough, lost at their place, but didn't have Stewart, who pulled up in the warm-up and spoiled uh, that game. Um, Struggled to recover, but we've just beaten them. Norwich City, we played them. We lost Alex Neil the day of the game. Should have beaten them. Blackburn Rovers, we've beaten them this season, as Dave mentioned. Lost to them at their place, but we were all pretty disappointed with that because we played well. Watford, 2-2 at their place. Yet to play them at home. Sheffield United, Dan Neil sent off after 15 minutes, went 2-0 down, got it back to 2-1. Probably thought that we could have got something from that game had we had 11 men. We're still yet to play them at home. Burnley, 2-0 up at the Stadium of Light before we sort of crumbled. They look a good side. We're yet to play them away. So even just looking at that, it's actually quite promising, but I'm not going to let myself get, uh, <laughs> get, get too excited because I'm a Sunderland fan and I'm... I'm also a born cynic. Uh, gents, thank you for, for joining us. If you would, please please go round in a, in a circle and, and tell us where they can find your content or podcasts or whatever. We'll start with Sobs, we'll go to Grim, and then we'll go to Dave.
2: Yeah, you generally get me on a match day with a report as soon after the game as I can get round to it and whether there's a socket on the bus coming back <laughs> and in print every now and then.
0: Excellent. That's with I uh, Love Supreme. We love Supreme, Sorry, yes, Graham.
1: Uh, yeah, so check out Wisemanseer.co.uk. Uh, lots of podcasts, lots of written content, uh, lots of good stuff.
0: Cracking. Thanks, Dave. We'll be here all night with the um, with your podcast appearance lists. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, one one or two whenever whenever anyone can put up with my dulcet tones. But as a general rule, with there uh, with Graham over at What the Falk. and uh, yeah, really pleasurable to do at the minute.
0: Yeah, it is quite nice. Well, gents, thank you very much for joining me. You can head over to the Sunderland Echo website Uh, if you like. We'll have all of the latest transfer news and build-up ahead of the game against Fulham in the FA Cup on Saturday. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Thank you.